Welcome to the Trinity's Podcast, where we explore theories about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you love God enough to think about Him? Episode 121, Do Christians and Muslims Worship the Same God? Part 2. Bill, thanks again for coming on the podcast and discussing these, this hot-button topic with me. You're very welcome, Dale. Last week, we ended on kind of a skeptical note based on some of the things that Bill has blogged about. And by the way, you should check out those posts if you haven't done it already. He explains more fully in some of these posts why you might think this is a real conundrum, why there's something to be said for both sides, but there's no decisive resolution I myself, I'm not a philosopher of language and don't have a worked out theory of reference, but I do think that you can still make judgments about reference without having a worked out theory of reference. Hmm. Just like maybe you don't have a fully worked out epistemology, but you say, well, look, we should still agree that I know that I exist, or I know that I'm drinking coffee right now, or I know what my name is. Let's just agree on a bunch of examples of knowledge, and then, then we'll try to come up with a theory. We don't have to get the theory first and then decide if we have any examples. We should make judgments about, at least obvious judgments, about examples of knowledge and then try to figure out what those cases of knowledge have in common. So you might think, well, obviously we can and do refer to things, even if we don't have a theory about how in general it works, what the necessary and sufficient conditions are for a word to refer to an object in in reality. You might still think we can make judgments about that. So in this episode, I'm going to stick my neck out on the positive side, and I want to give a little argument for the positive answer and explain why I don't think it has any implication that Islam is the same as Christianity or that it's as good or that they're both true or anything like that, or that God uh, finds both Christian and Islamic worship equally acceptable. I'm just going to give a positive answer to that question that we focused on last time, which is that when Muslims say Allah, they are talking about the same God that we Christians are talking about when we say God or even the Trinity, despite the disagreements, the considerable theological disagreements that are there. You may like my theology or dislike it, but never mind theology, stick with just the basic assertions in the New Testament. There's a flat contradiction between some of those assertions about what God has done and how God relates to Jesus and what is flat out explicitly said in the Quran. We mentioned this last time, the Quran denies that Jesus was crucified or denies that God has a son and denies that it's proper to worship Jesus. And well, these are all just either explicitly stated or obviously implied in the New Testament. Mm, Christians have always worshiped Jesus. They've always believed that he died on a cross and so on. Right. Even without getting into the arcane issues of uh, two natures and Trinity and all that stuff, even just on a really basic scriptural level, there's an obvious clash. But anyway, so I want to argue for a positive answer. So here's one angle you could approach it from the angle of uh, language. I think we get off on a wrong foot when we think that Allah is strictly speaking a proper name. It's used a lot like a proper name. It's a singular referring term, but it's a title. It's kind of a quasi name. Grammatically, it just is the God in Arabic. It's the exact equivalent of ha theos in Greek. So when you Mm -hmm. read your New Testament and you see capital G-O-D in the New Testament, 
that's almost always Hatheos, which is literally the God. So what we're translating capital G-O-D is in Greek, the God. Okay, that's easy to understand. It's, it's the unique creator, the, uh, the, the ultimate source. So if we base ourselves on the New Testament, then uh, what we see there translated as God is, is not a proper name, but a definite description? No, I don't think it's a definite description. I, I'm saying it's a title. It's a title. Which is it, it's also a singular referring term, like a proper name, like Dale or Bill. Like the divine one or what? I'm not a descriptivist, so I don't think that it has a uniquely associated description with it. Uh, I, I could say, in, speaking in German, one could say the Dale. Like in German, you could say Karl or der Karl. Mm-hmm. Is it like that? Instead of saying, Dale is going to be here in an hour, I say, the Dale is going to be here in, in, in an hour. Yeah, so normally you would translate Theos as a god. And normally you translate ha Theos in Greek as God, with a capital G. And there are exceptions the to that. A unique god. Yeah, there are exceptions to that. It doesn't always have to have the definite article with it. But my point is, Christians who spoke Arabic called God Allah. Right. And even today, when they translate the New Testament... They translate hatheos in Greek as Allah. Right. Just because it's the exact grammatical equivalent. And also, it's the traditional term to refer to God, to refer to the Christian God, because there were Arabic speaking Christians before there were Muslims. There are Islamic countries today where they have actually forbidden Christians from using Allah because they fear it will help them proselytize Muslims or maybe create confusion or something. Hmm. Yeah, right. They're actually forbidden from using the word Allah, at least publicly, or I think sometimes even in their translations of the, of the Bible. Of course, you know, a word can be equivocal, right? I, I made a joke in the last episode. There's probably some atheist out there that named their cat God. I, I knew a right. guy once, he, he literally named his cat Dammit, so that he could just say, come here, Dammit, go away, Dammit. He <laughs> thought that was cool. Uh, <laughs> but I've heard of uh, non-Calvinists naming their... Uh, their dog john calvin or something but so there's probably some atheists that name their dog god right just so they can tell god to go away and hit god with a newspaper and things like that so just the fact that they're using the same word by itself doesn't prove anything nonetheless it's a typical mark a typical sign that you would find when somebody's talking about the same thing uh, if they're using an equivalent term it's kind of what you would expect to find. So it would be a mistake if somebody said, well, they got to be the same God because, or they have to be different gods because the word Allah and the word God are different words. Exactly. That would be a gross right. fallacy. Right. right. Yeah. And as we talked about last time, there are uncontroversial examples where people can be referring to the same thing and presupposing different things about its essence so on my blog, I gave this silly example of some conspiracy theorist that thinks that President Obama is an alien. But he would still be talking about President Obama. We, me and you might try to argue with him and say, no, look, he clearly he was born in Hawaii to two parent, human parents. He's not a Martian or something. And try to convince him, even though he the whole time is thinking that Obama's a Martian from Mars and we think he's an Earthling we'd be talking about the same being, but then... But in this case, we, we know, we have sensory evidence of Obama's existence and identity. Yes, and in that case, it's just uncontroversial that we are referring to the same being. I mean, right. we could go to a rally and we could look at him. Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah, yeah that's the guy. He could, we could literally point to him 
with our wingnut friend who thinks he's a Martian. And well, it's impossible that he be a Martian. Yeah. But, but you're saying, okay, so even, even though the, the conflicting beliefs are such that the thing that has it can only have one essentially. Right. When, when we first meet this weird guy and he says Barack Obama is a space alien, we may wonder initially, is he talking about the same guy? Right. That would be worrisome that he thinks that. Like, maybe he just has a space alien friend, real or imagined, and he named that guy Barack Obama for some weird reason. But then if we saw Obama on TV, like, is that the guy you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. Right. The president of the United States? Yeah, that's the guy. Eventually, we would just think, well, our friend has very bizarre okay, I, I don't see that beliefs about really... Obama. Dale, I don't really see that this is much different than the example I gave of the table. I mean, Right, it's the same. It's okay. the same, yeah. But, I mean, so here's my case. Muslims can refer to God, that is the God of Abraham, the one that Christians think is the, the one true God. They can and do refer to that being, right? They can just say, well, there's the being that you guys worship. That's who we're talking about, the God of the Christians. They can refer to... They can refer to it by saying such things as the God of the Christians. Well, not, not if the, the God of the Christians doesn't exist. Okay, but I'm, I'm arguing from a Christian standpoint. But this is an argument among Christians, so I'm assuming a Christian standpoint in the debate. I'm asking the question, what should Christians say about this question? So you're assuming that the Christian God exists? Yeah. Okay, so the Christian God exists, and you're saying a Muslim can, can refer, refer to, to the Christian God yes. using any number of different... Oh, yeah. Referential devices. Yes. Yeah, that's Including correct. the God of Abraham, the God of the Bible, that kind of thing. Right. Um, okay. That, that seems right. So that's premise one in my argument. Second premise is Muslims identify Allah, that is, they identify the God that supposedly sent Muhammad. They identify that being with the one we were just talking about, the God of uh, the Bible, the God of Abraham, the God of Christians. Although I think Christians are badly mistaken to think that God is triune. To identify is to, one way I've heard it explained, which I think is helpful, this is due to uh, Tom Morris, actually, the, the Christian philosopher. He says, when you identify things, it's like you've got a box, a mental box for things in your mind. And when you realize that two things are really the same thing, you, you realize they go in the same box. So you realize the morning star really is the evening star. It's really all just a planet Venus, one viewed in the morning, one viewed at night. Like, oh, okay, I thought, we were, I thought there were two planets that we were talking about there, but in fact, there's really just one planet. So we collapse, you reduce the number you, you of boxes. You thought there were two stars, yeah. there's actually just one planet. Right, yeah, that's right. So identify can be used epistemologically, is the way you're using it now. Yeah, when, when you learn that they are identical, uh, that there's no difference between those, that it's one and the same thing, you reduce the number of boxes, so to speak, you put them in the same box. So in their minds, they are collapsing together the God of Abraham with the God of Muhammad. That's just part well, of what they think, right? That's, that's not clear. I mean, they're, if, if they're doing that, then they're worshiping the Christian God. But that's what they think. But they think the Christians have made mistakes. Yeah, but the about question him. is what in reality they're worshiping, not what they think they're worshiping. My argument is they can refer to the Christian God. They identify the Christian God with Allah. And so whenever they talk about Allah, they are referring to God. Now, maybe it's not obvious if that argument is valid. I think it's a valid argument. 
Here's an analogy. Suppose you meet uh, a person who claims to be the reincarnation of Jesus. Matter of fact, there is a guy like this in Australia, and there's another one in Russia, I think. And if you really believe that that guy is personally identical to Jesus, then I think when you talk about that, that guy, you're also talking about Jesus. Falsely, of course, right? Jesus now lives in Australia is false. But I think that because you identify them, then when you're referring to one, you're referring to the other. Well, you believe them to be the same. It doesn't follow that they are the same. Yeah, we think these guys are wrong. But my point is they're making wrong claims about Jesus, namely that Jesus lives in Australia. see if I understand your argument. You assume that the Christian God exists. Yes. And you say Muslims can refer to the Christian God. Can and do, yeah. Yeah, they can and do refer to the Christian God, and that's true. Yeah. Then you say, and this is, I take it, your third premise, Muslims believe that the Christian God and the God who sent Muhammad are the same. Right. And then you conclude that the Muslim and Muslims and Christians refer to the same God. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that follows. I think what follows is that uh, Muslims believe that Muslims and Christians refer to the same God. It's hard to argue the point. I mean, I think that their collapsing the two in their minds is sufficient to make them be talking about the same thing. So... Well, um, not if, not if in, reference in, is successful. I mean... Uh... Well, there's a mistake about reference in both cases, right? Okay, so go back to my reincarnated Jesus example. Do I think that's really Jesus? No, of course not. They think that they're referring to Jesus when they talk about what that guy is doing. I think they're referring to Jesus, but they're also referring to that guy. In fact, Jesus and that guy are two, but they think they're one. And so I think that they don't realize they're actually talking about two different people. But if they're talking about two different people, one of those people is Jesus, and one of them is the guy in Australia. I'm a Christian. I do not believe in the prophethood of Muhammad. So I do not think whatever was going on when he got his revelations, I don't think that that was God. And of course, it's a presupposition of Islam that it's kind of almost true by definition that Allah in that context means the one who sent Muhammad, right? Okay. Or I should say it's that that's central to their thinking about the one God. I mean, their confession is there's one God and Muhammad is his prophet. So who was it that interacted with Muhammad? It was somebody or it was nobody. Either, either he imagined it or he's interacting with some other being, okay? So when they talk about God, they might also be referring to whoever that was, whether it was somebody or nobody. 
But I also think they're referring to God just because they are identifying that being with God. Just as in my reincarnated Jesus case, they think they're talking about one person, but they're in fact talking about two different beings. Yeah, but the issue is whether the Muslim and the Christian refer to the same God. I'm sorry, but I'm just not following this. Use my analogy. Are Are we talking about the same Jesus? Someone might say, well, it's not the same Jesus. Jesus didn't go ever go to Australia, right? Someone might say Jesus didn't go to Australia, so it's not the same Jesus. Well, no, it's the same Jesus. It's a disagreement about Jesus, uh, whether he took a rebirth, became reincarnated. It's a serious disagreement about the career of Jesus and what he's done. You could call it a different Jesus if that's a way of summarizing these disagreements, sure. Or we do agree that there is exactly one God Mm -hmm. and that God exists. Yeah. Okay. And this God that exists in reality, outside the mind and outside language, can't be any sort of uh, incomplete object in Meinong's sense of that term. I mean, he has to be fully determinate. And we also agree that God is triune because we're Christians. I'll grant you that for the sake of this discussion. Okay, so you'll also grant me that he's essentially triune, and you'll also agree that God is a necessary being. So therefore, we can say that God is necessarily triune, meaning that he's triune in every possible world in which he exists, and he exists in every possible world, right? Yes, if he's triune, he's necessarily triune. So given that there can only be one God, the God that is not triune and is also essentially not triune and necessarily not triune, that God, the Muslim God, cannot be identical to the Christian God. So what we have to say is that the one God, the God of the Muslims does not exist and the God of the Christians does exist, or if you're a Muslim, you can turn it around the other way and say that the God of the Christians does not exist and the God of the Muslims does exist. In reality, now we're just talking about reality outside the mind, apart from the question of how we gain referential access to it. Right, but when you say the God of the Christians exists, what you're saying is that God exists and is as described by the Christians. When you say the God of the Muslims exists, that shorthand for God exists and as, and as is described by Islamic theology. Sure, and yeah, if that's, yeah, that's what it means. That's, that's right. I mean, when I say the God of the Christians, I mean the God who has the attributes that Christianity is, ascribes to God. When I speak of the God of the Christians, what I'm speaking of is God as Christianity determines God to be. Uh, right. So what what does Christianity say about God? He said says that God is the creator or of heaven and earth. So he creates the physical universe and God is uncreated and and so on. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by the God of the of the Christians. So again I'm I'm having a real trouble understanding you. In reality, there can only be one God, and in reality, God exists. And if you assume that God is the Christian God, then you assume that God is necessarily triune, and it follows directly from that that uh, the Muslim God does not exist. Well, what follows is that God is not as Muslims say that God is. Right. But they've all along been saying that our God is the same God as the God of the Christians and Jews. So so you're saying that, well— I don't know. I, I'm. Uh, I. I just don't see it. Given that only references the issue, 
they're clearly able to refer to God, the Christian God, the God of Abraham. And not only can they refer to God, but they can, as it were, collapse together the idea of that being and the being that sent Muhammad. So whenever they refer to Allah, then they're automatically referring to that being. It's merely reference, right? Well, no, because reference is routed through sense. I mean, this, this is why, I guess maybe this is where we're, we're going wrong. I noticed this in Phaser too, that he seems to switch between a descriptive semantics and then a uh, kind of a direct semantics. Well, I admit it, I don't have a coherent approach. I'm not sure I do either, and I, and I may be deeply confused. But it seems that if reference is routed through sense, then the sense determines the reference. It is the sense of the expression that determines what the referent is. I guess maybe the issue is this, is the triunity of God, do we load that into the description that mediates the reference or not? You want to say you don't, you don't load it in there, right? Yeah, if we do, it's going to be hard for uh, Trinitarian and non-Trinitarian Christians to have an argument about God. No, because... they, can have, they can still have an argument with God. We can just say that, uh, I'll say that your God doesn't exist, and they say that your God doesn't exist. Right, so there, there's a worry that if the background assumptions or if the description that's associated with the name varies really wildly, maybe that will prevent reference to the same object. Look well, it does in some cases. I mean, arguably, yeah. But well, I, you know, uh, Phaser gave the example of uh, the Mormon god, right? Yeah, or, that's a or, can or, of just, worms. Or, or how about the god of planning of versus the god of Phaser? The god of Phaser is a, a simple god, ontologically simple god, and the god of planning is most assuredly not ontologically simple, as he finds that whole notion incoherent. Right. Are they referring to the same god? Right. Okay, well, you're going to... They're disagreeing about God. You're, you're going to bite the bullet on all the way down. So you're going to say that the Mormon and, and the Christian refer to the same God. Well, look, there's the same kind of, if I could put it this way, mental collapse. I mean, Joseph Smith thought and claimed that he was talking about the same God. Never the mind he, he in different places, says some doesn't pretty strange things doesn't about. It doesn't fall that he was talking about the same God, if he thinks he is. This goes back to my point about successful reference as opposed to intending to refer to something. The fact that Muslims intend to refer to the same God doesn't cut any ice. If they're failing, the question is whether they succeed or fail. Of course, it's not entirely clear what it means to say that reference is successful. See, <laughs> this is yeah. it's a miserably difficult topic. I mean, what does it mean to say that a reference is successful? But you, you granted before that there's a difference between successful reference and failed reference, right? Well, it requires the existence of the object. Well, sure, it does that, but you've got to get the right object. Let's grant the point that a description in principle could be so off that it turns out you're not talking about the same thing. Look at the facts of the actual case. And this is a point that Miroslav Wolf makes in his public uh, discussion of this that he says there's partial overlap in what christians and muslims say about god that's so, certainly true so god is the ultimate source of everything else he's the free creator of the cosmos right uh, all-knowing perfectly compassionate perfectly good all-powerful in some sense okay so one th one thing we can all agree on is that if you take the conceptions of god in judaism in christianity and in islam there is an overlap in those conceptions. So that there's a core conception, you might call it, or you can give a list of the, of the, of the properties, like God is a free being, God is the creator of everything distinct from himself, and yeah, so on. Yeah, there's going to be an overlap. Okay. Whether you want to call it a core or another thing. 
Well, it doesn't matter what we call it. There, yeah. There's a some people might not like the word overlap, but I think they do overlap, and it's like an intersection of uh, attributes. So there there's certain attributes that each adherent of one of these three religions will ascribe to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, now is that sufficient to determine a reference? Just the uh, the overlapping conception? No, not by itself. I don't think so. Okay, so take the Jews. Take their conception, and then you could say the Christians add something. But adding it, they make it more specific. You can easily say that the Christian and, and the Jew refers to the same being. Because you haven't, you haven't shifted the reference. But if you, if you then take the, the Christian, because the richer conception of the Christian, which includes being triune and some other properties, and then you uh, compare that to the uh, Muslim conception, which explicitly rejects triunity, not just doesn't have it in its description, but explicitly excludes it, mm-hmm. then you've shifted the reference. Can't be referring to the same thing. there's a missing element in the discussion though and it goes back to your table analogy which was a good analogy so we're sitting at your beautiful oak table right now and it is in fact an oak table and there's no particle board in it and if the impertinent tuggy comes along and thinks that this half particle board because bill's a cheapo or something which yeah, is right, true but, but a ch- tuggy uncharitably thinks that about him if i impertinently uh, believe that it is mostly particle board or something like that Still, it's uncontroversial that I'm talking about the same table, even though I'm wrong about its essence, if you want to call that an essence. Your answer was, yeah, but this is a perceptual situation where we just both perceive the same thing. We have a perception with the same object of perception. I agree, but here's the thing that I think we've left out for the Christian point of view, which is Romans chapter 1. It says that there is a kind of widely available, universally available knowledge of God that people can come to. In fact, it's enough knowledge to make people somewhat accountable for kind of moving towards God or rejecting God. And so I think the Muslim has the benefit of this general knowledge. But it's not just uh, from observing creation, although I think it is that. I mean, look, here's... Yeah, but he a, doesn't have... He has a general... It's like a general proposition. The Muslim can come to the, uh, to the proposition, there exists, a, uh, there exists a, a prime cause, a causa prima, or whatever you want to call it. But it needn't be that abstract, right? Planninga gives an example like this in his discussion about whether belief in God is properly basic. He, it's an example, you're hiking out in the mountains, and you think, wow, this is all, you know, from the hand of God, or this is all God's handiwork. That can be a way of experiencing God, arguably. Here's a more common way that arguably people can experience God. 
People think that God is subtly present kind of in, in the phenomenon of conscience. Right. Right. So say you're a Muslim and you do something horrible. I don't know, you cheat on your wife, let's say. Realize not only you violated the law and a social norm and your promise and whatnot, but you feel you come to a conviction that God is not happy with this and that God is negatively disposed towards you. But look, this is an experience of God because God is in fact negatively disposed towards that person and wants them to repent. And so it's a very common experience then for a person to confess their sin to God and maybe feel some relief. But this is intera- this is causal interaction with God, right? It's uh, not just imagination. It's, it's real interaction. Well, well, the phenomenon of conscience is definitely real. And, and you could try to explain it by saying that, by bringing God into the picture as explaining that. But I mean, you can't say that conscience is a direct experience of God. And go back to your other example. The, well, wait, wait, why not? You can't tell that God exists by observing the existence and the order and the beauty of nature. I know St. Paul says you can, but I think he's totally wrong. Look, I mean... I thought we were going by Christian assumptions on this in this discussion. Right, but not everything that a Christian writer says I'm, gonna, I'm bound to agree with. I mean... Okay. St. Paul is, is not Jesus, right? No. He's got, a, he's got a high standing, but I mean, like, you, you know, it's in Romans one eighteen, I think, one eighteen to one twenty. He says that there, there's no excuse for unbelief because, I'm just paraphrasing, he's, he, he's saying it's evident that, that God exists from his handiwork, mm-hmm. which begs the question. If it's his handiwork, then of course it's divine creation. An atheist looks at the, at the universe and he says, yeah, it exists, and yeah, it's orderly, and so on, but it, he interprets it differently. Might be getting off the point here. I think what you're trying to, to go toward is the idea that I said that there's a difference between a perceptual case like the table and the case of God, and you want to yeah. say that God is perceived in some sense. Well, l- let me put it this way. Perception is causal interaction. It's a kind of causal interaction. The, the, the object is bringing about a change in you, which results in your well, the, you know, that, that, forming that, a correct that, belief. You know, th- there we got another tough one. I mean, like take the word see. Is that in every one of its correct uses a verb of success? No, not in every one of its uses. Okay, clearly, so you but could, if you, we're talking sense perception, it is. No, but I, I mean, yeah. no, but in sense perception it is? But what if yeah. I see a pink rat? You mean see in, sen- in the sense of hallucinate. Pink rat. I see a pink rat right here yeah, on the table. because you just quit your drinking, and now uh, you've gone cold turkey, and now you're seeing pink rats. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it. Phenomenologically, yeah. I'm seeing it. Yes. Okay, so see is, in that sense, not a verb of success. Yes, but often, it, you, uh, very often it is. You're, you favor a causal theory of perception. My point is that Muslims can causally interact enough with God directly or indirectly to refer to him by way of the Christian, look, a Muslim can have a conversation with a Christian and then be referring to God by, yeah, but, yeah, but as a, a result of that information, right? Again, I keep going back to this basic idea. Look, there is a God. There's exactly one God. He's got a certain set of attributes that are essential to him. And you say that this God is not triune, then you're not talking about the God I'm talking about. Because he's essentially those things. But I don't understand, Bill, because you've granted that you can refer to a thing and not know about all of its essential attributes and even be wrong about some of its essential attributes, right? Like in the table example or the Barack Obama example. 
Yeah, but you also do agree that in some cases, if we're disputing about properties, there might not be one common object that we're disputing about. Yeah, there can be mistaken. We, we might think we're arguing about the same guy, and it turns out we're talking about two different people. You know, you know a guy named John Smith. He's done X, Y, Z, you say, and I disagree. And then later on, we realize I was talking about a different John Smith. If reference is uh, routed through sense, then that's going to be possible, right? I mean, even if it's not, it's going to be possible on the Kripkean view also, because the one John Smith, that usage has a different causal history than the other one, right? I thought you were talking about the John Smith that did ABC, but you were talking about the one that did XYZ. There's two different chains of transmission of name usage there, even though it's, uh, you know, the names, you could say they're different names, even though they sound alike, they use the same words. How about if we say this as a kind of a ironic uh, proposal? Yes, the, the Christian and the Muslim do refer to the same God because they have a overlapping conception of God. And that overlap is fairly significant. Would that satisfy everybody? You mentioned Mir- Miroslav. I, do, uh, I do think the overlap is not by itself enough. I mean, if there was a universe in which people had no epistemic access to God and no causal interaction with God somehow, say God creates some aliens in a far off place and they have no, no way to refer to God, okay? Now, if they came up with a description that's similar to our description of God, I don't think that that similarity is necessarily enough. But people like Volfar, I think, are assuming some background knowledge about the Muslim having information about God from Jews and Christians and possibly from the natural world or from religious experience. Well, let's say and you just... In, in that context, then it's a... Fi- uh, well, what if you spelled out... The all, description all... could be pretty off or pretty minimal. What if you spelled out all the points of overlap in your common conception? Why not say, yeah, okay, in that sense, they do refer to the same God. Well, maybe this is really what you're saying. You want to abstract away from the triunity thing. You want to say, they differ over triunity? So what? They still still talk about the same God. Even well, sure. You, even though you admit in reality that God has to be one or the other. Yeah, look, there are uh, countless churches where triunity almost never comes up. And say a little kid in church, uh, it goes to an evangelical church, He's just not going to even run across that language. But he's still talking about the same being. Well, you're just begging the question, aren't you? You're saying I'm you're, trying to apply common sense. He's trying. The kid is trying to refer to the same thing. That, the common sense proponent is always begging the question to the non-common sense uh, standpoint. Let's talk about worship. I think when the professor at Wheaton said that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, I think that set off more alarms than if she had just said Muslims and Christians managed to refer to the same God. Yeah, that wouldn't have done anything. That would, that's not a hot-button topic. Well, honestly, I think it still would be in evangelicalism in America, but it wouldn't not, be not as much. hot. Not as, not as incendiary. So if you say worship, people might think that what Muslims do is just as good a practice as what Christians do. They might think that God equally well accepts both practices and maybe even equally well has ordained both practices. 
So again, they, it's a kind of pluralism. It's an equality of practice. They're both equally efficacious or equally valid, if you can put it that way. I think they're hearing something like that. Now, in your blog post, Bill, you made a really, I think, important point, which is that worship can be used, I think you called it in an intentional sense, right? just as uh, having to do with the worshiper and what they are trying to bring about. I think that's right. So we can talk about people worshiping Zeus or Mickey Mouse or... Well, I guess you could put it this way, just as I can desire something that doesn't exist. Right. Clearly, you can worship something that doesn't exist. Yeah, clearly one can worship something that doesn't exist. That's absolutely right. So in that sense, you could say linguistically worship, the word, the verb worship is a verb, uh, intentional verb. Or you could put it in philosophy of mind terms and say that the state of, of worshiping is an intentional state, meaning that it's of or about or directed to something right. that may or may not exist. Yeah. And in some of the discussion, some of the people writing about this, I think they've, they've been assuming that, look, it's obvious in some sense that Muslims worship, right? What's obvious is right. that they are intending to worship a being. It's another question if they are actually managing to interact with a god, right? Like, how would you put it this way? It's obvious that many Muslims are in a worshipful state, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, in it's a ob- worship, worship-oriented state of mind or something oh, like okay. that. Okay, they're, they're in a worship, worshiping state of mind. Yeah. And it's also obvious that that state of mind takes an excusative or has a direct object. In other words, it, yes. it's object-directed. It's and not- it's obvious they could be doing that even if they're missing... Even if there is no thing that they're worshiping. Right. Okay. So if I thought Robin Hood was a real guy and I tried to be a devotee of Robin Hood, I would be failing, it looks like. And it could be, it could be that, don't take the Christian. But you would say, well, Dale is worshiping Robin Hood. You know, what an idiot. But what you're saying is true. I am, I'm in a worship state directed towards this non-existent guy. Right. Now take a Christian. There are Christians who are in worshiping states of mind, and those worshiping states of mind, mental acts, are directed upon an object. Yeah. And that object might not exist either. In other words, there may no, be no God at all. Sure. I mean, you yeah. Know, have you Given ever, what we mean by worship. Yeah. There, yeah. there, are, there are some atheists mm-hmm. floating around in the world. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. And those atheists will say the Christians are worshiping, and what they mean by worshiping is just that's, that's, something that we are doing. There's also, you know, another topic here is idolatry. I mean, not every object is worship-worthy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but let's say that there's nothing worship-worthy. I think an atheist would, would have to say that, right? That nothing most, is... Most of them would say that. Yeah. Nothing is worship-worthy. And that's consistent with all kinds of people worshiping all kinds of different objects, intentional objects, which don't exist. Yeah. They might think of necessity, nothing should be worshipped. So. And an atheist could also be an idolater, couldn't he? Let's say you have an atheist, and he says, there, there is nothing worthy of worship, but he worships the earth. Or Elvis. Or Elvis. And that's why, a lot, Barack of people, Obama. that's why a lot of people are all upset about so-called global warming, because they worship nature. Yeah. That's their god. Yeah. But that god is an idol, and so therefore an atheist could be an idolater. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you're certainly right in that this mental stance that we're talking about, worship, it looks like it brings its own ethics with it. It looks like it's not appropriate to do this just to any old object or any old being. Right. It looks like it would be fitting for some and unfitting for others. And yeah, atheists might think that nobody should be worshipped. But Christians, of course, think that 
God should be worshipped. But everything else should not be worshipped, not even uh, the mother of God for Catholics. So, yeah, so well, there's like, Jesus, but it, yeah, basically. Like, for example, you can pray to Mary to intercede for you. Right. Uh, They're distinguishing but, lower level kind of worship. But you cannot worship Mary. Right. Okay, so there's only one thing that's worship worthy, and that is God. And I take it that Muslims would agree with that, right? There's only one thing yeah. worthy of worship, and that is God. Yeah. But here's the thing I'm, I'm driving at. I think there's another use of the word worship where it's clearly a two-way thing. So let me compare it to talking at versus talking to. Okay. If you're talking at somebody, you're failing to have a conversation. For whatever reason, it's bouncing off them. They are not receiving it right. or responding in any way. If I'm talking to you, this implies that you are doing something also. So if I'm talking to you in this sense, if I'm not just talking at you, there is action on the part of two beings. I'm talking and you're in some sense receptive to it. So when people talk about worship, I think they mean a kind of transaction where they are offering praise and honor, uh, maybe even asking requests of God. And getting something back. And he is accepting that. Does the worshiper know that he's that his worship is being accepted, or must he know? I think sometimes they do, and sometimes yeah, you don't. Let me put it this way: Must the worshiper know that his worship is being accepted for it to be a genuine case of worship? No, right. No, sometimes I, they're not sure. If I agree with that. If they're shooting blanks, or when we worship God, we refer to God. But this is a this is a very special kind of reference. It's like my referring not to the publicly identifiable person, Dale Tuggy, but referring to the inner subjectivity of Dale, like as another mind. Like I have access, perceptual access to your body. It's more your, than just and, reference. And, and yeah. your behavior. But can I refer to, to you as an other mind, as an uh, other subjectivity? Well, yeah, I think you do all the time. Yeah. But there's okay, a sense so in which I, I can, I can like keep you it's out. A, it's an I-thou relation. It's not yeah. an I-it relation in Boober sense. Yeah. Ima- imagine I'm trying to talk to you and you're, uh, I don't know, 100 feet away. I'm like, hey, Bill, you know, yeah. and your back is turned to me. And I'm like, hey, Bill, uh, come over here, you know, uh, let's go for a hike. I may not actually not know if I'm talking at you or talking to you because your response is not I, super I, I might be hearing you and ignoring you. Yeah, and I may not be sure about it. I'm doing my part, but I'm not really talking to you unless you're also receiving it, and it's not obvious to me which. So you're saying that worship has that richer element, that it could involve an interaction. So what I'm saying is worship in the sense of a two-way interaction is different, and when somebody like the Wheaton professor says Christians and Muslims worship the same God, what they're hearing is that not only are they referring to God, but God is accepting it and maybe even responding. That is something that a lot of evangelicals think cannot happen because they don't think that Islam is a divinely originated tradition. Whether or not that can happen is another argument. You might think it depends on the Muslim, right? If he's a hypocrite and a horrible person and he thinks he can just do a few ceremonies, go to his prayers and God will be happy with him, then he's got another thing coming. But you might think there could be a penitent Muslim, perhaps one who never had any exposure to the Christian gospel. You might think that God would respond to that person. I'm just saying that if a person is going to agree that Muslims are referring to the same God that Christians are, nothing follows about whether their worship is acceptable, whether God is responding, whether it's efficacious what they're doing. 
Nothing follows, only that they're shooting at the same target, so to speak. And hitting it. Only in the sense of referring to it, but not, not in the intended sense, right? Because the worshiper intends for God to receive it. Here, I'm right. giving you this gift. They don't have the idea that, that it should not be taken. They want it to be taken. But whether it's taken is up to God, because he's not under any obligation to... Uh, he, he's not like a, a Coke machine. If you put in a buck, you get a Coke out of it. I mean, if you bow down and say ABC, he does not have to respond. Well, he's a free being. He looks upon the heart. He judges on ethical criteria. And right. On. So I think if you throw this in, you see kind of how very little you're admitting if you admit that they're referring to God. You mean if, if they're referring to God just on the basis of the, of the overlap of the, of the conceptions? If you think that's how reference works, then you'll say that. I'm not sure I want to say that. I think it may have to do more. Well, I was just trying to say something that might pacify people. I think it might have more to do with the causal interaction indirectly with God. Because look, God interacts with the Christians or with Abraham, right? They interact with me and you. So the Muslim, by interacting with us, can be arguably referring to who Abraham referred to. Interacting with us? Yeah. That's an interesting theory of reference. Well, it's not a theory of reference. It's just, but it, it's maybe a little bit not, it's hostile to descriptivism in a general sort of way, but it's not presupposing any precise theory of reference, I don't think. tell you why I think this is a question that matters. I don't think it's a purely academic question. Let me compare two different cases. So if a Muslim is trying to have an argument with a Christian and vice versa, there are certain barriers to even the conversation getting started. Here's one of them. The Muslim guy says, yeah, you guys are all just polytheists and idolaters. Well, they need to understand why we don't think it's that. <laughs> right, right, this is kind right. of a non-starter. If, they, if they're not going to get past that, if they're not going to even let the Christian explain how Trinitarianism is a kind of monotheism, right. they're not going to let you have a try at explaining why you're not an idolater, well, then this is going nowhere. Well, because you, you know, for the Christian, it's obvious that Trinitarianism is not tritheism. It's supposed to be not tritheism by definition. Yeah, and it's an interesting question but of how course, it manages but if, to avoid tritheism. Exactly. You, you yeah. could go deeper and say, well, yeah, that's what Christians claim, but it doesn't even make sense. I mean, there's no way they can actually distinguish between tritheism and Trinitarianism. Yes, and some Muslims, to their credit, they do go far. They do make an effort to kind of get but into if the you're Christian gonna, But you're mindset. right. If you're going to have a dialogue, with, if the Muslim wants to have a dialogue with a Christian, he can't start out by misrepresenting what the Christian maintains. Right. By saying that there's three gods or there's or that Mary is part of the Trinity. Some of them believe right. that, right? Yeah. Okay, but I think it's a non-starter on our side, on the Christian side, to say that you guys are just talking about a different God. Because, I mean, it's always been a central teaching no, you that can't it's the God start, of Abraham. Right, you can't just start off by saying that. I mean, yeah. it's, well, my point would be that it's, it, there's a serious question there, that's all. And to resolve the question, I think, if anything has come out of this discussion, 
One thing I'm confident about is that it hinges on the resolution of very, very difficult questions in the philosophy of mind, the philosophy of language, and metaphysics. So there's no easy answer to this. My view of it's a little different, Bill. My view is, okay, you're wondering if two people are referring to the same being or not. Here's a defeater you could have that would make that not reasonable to think. That there's a wild difference in the, in the description that can be a defeater. So it might just be that we're using the same word or a similar word, or maybe we should just be skeptical. I don't know if we're talking about the same being or not. I agree that there can be defeaters, but I just think in this case, they are managing to refer to God and there isn't a defeater. I think so I can so you, it's a, reasonably it's, think this without so having it's, it's a It's an open and shut case for you. It's just clearly the case that they are referring to the same being. Yeah, honestly, I think it's pretty open and shut. Okay. I think, well, then I think this is a good place to end. I, well, let, let me say, I, I, I would just say that that's where I disagree. To you, it, it's uh, either self-evident or close to self-evident that the Christian and the Muslim are referring to numerically one and the same God when they use God and Allah in all equivalent expressions. Then, uh, then I say that's not obvious to me. Mm, I don't think it's self-evident. I mean, it's, I, I think it's evident enough once you consider the relevant facts. That's as far as I would go. I think you can raise a doubt about it. I don't think it's, there's anything ridiculous about that line of objection that, hey, isn't the description so different that it can't be co-referential, the term Allah and the term God as used by Christians? But I think it's deeper. I don't, I don't than, think that's a foolish see, you, you uh, see, I guess objection. The, the real difference between us is that I think it really does hinge on these deeper questions of the philosophy of language. And you, you don't believe that, I don't think. What I think is that you can have a view about this issue without having a worked out theory of reference. So on some yeah, theories well, of also, reference. You, know, you also think that the issue can be resolved satisfactorily without getting into, without resolving those issues in the philosophy of language, right? I do think that, but I allow that in principle, you could make some discovery about here's the correct theory of reference and an implication of that is that I'm wrong about this. Okay, so just to I fo- allow that in principle, to fo- sure. focus our disagreement yeah. then. You think it's uh, tolerably clear that Christian and Muslim refer to the same God and that the resolution of this question does not require us to go uh, deep into the philosophy of language. Yeah. I think our epistemic situation lets us resolve it. But like I said, in, without, prin- without, in principle, without. you could you could come up with a theory of reference that was correct and which would refute what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, you see, with my apparatic tendency, I have no confidence that we, we're going to arrive at a correct theory of reference that is correct in the sense that it, it will convince all competent practitioners of philosophy. Well, that's pretty hard to do, isn't it? It is hard, but uh, you've got to set the bar. You know, some of us are conservatives and we have very high standards, right? Yeah, yeah. But let, let me say one more thing about why I think it's important. So... To me, it's a distraction. To me, the real issue between Christians and Muslims is who is the last and best, greatest revealer of God? Because they claim that that guy is Muhammad. That's the Rasul. That's the messenger, the greatest A number one prophet ever, which will never be superseded. If you want to know God's will, that guy is the source. But there is the, no, their, nothing by, comparable. By their fruits, we shall know them, though, right? What are, what, are the, what are the fruits of Islam? Well, that's the right question to ask and, and to look at the fruits of his life. And the Christian, again, whatever their precise theology, whatever their theoretical commitments, what they think just as Christian is that the last and best revealer of who God is, is Jesus, his teaching, his ministry, his life work. Do you think there can't be a, a further revelation from a Christian point of view? 
Yeah, I mean, it's part like you, of you it's, don't accept it. Is, in a sense, yeah, in a sense, I mean, There's, all the, all the riches of wisdom are hidden in Christ, and he's he's kind of yes, we will know more. We will know as we are known. Paul says somewhere, we'll come to know more and more as time goes but, but on. You, say, you think that the Christian revelation is final? There isn't going to be a guy who's going to come along and supersede Jesus in the way that he kind of superseded Moses. And you also believe that the the Muslim revelation is no revelation. Right. That's what any Christian thinks. That's not a pluralist. So my point is, it's not a battle of deities, God versus Allah. It's really a battle of chief revealer and final revealer of of the one God. Is it Mohammedism and Jesus? Because it cannot be both. Because you cannot be a disciple of both Jesus and Muhammad. That's practically impossible. So practically speaking, then, the question of same God is not really all that important at all. What's I imp- don't think it what, is. What's important is what you just said. That's what I think, yeah. Actually, I, I could agree with that. We could say we're not going to agree on whether they're referring to the same God or whether we have to go into the philosophy of language to resolve it, but we can agree that it's not that important to get all exercise over this. And also, we should agree that the public uh, square de- de- debate is extremely murky and uh, not even worth getting into either. I don't think we should say we're talking about a different God and just fine. You talk about your God and we'll talk about ours. I think we should debate them on their own ground. You're talking about our God, huh? You think our God sent your prophet? Well, we don't think he's a prophet of our God. Why do I go on? The the real debate is what you said earlier about the revelation. Which of these revelations is the true revelation? Which claim to being a messenger do you find, of course, Jesus is more than a messenger, but anyway, he is a messenger, right? Which Isn't claim really is really acceptable? Is about to is, is that and not the same God business? Well, I think it's the more important question. Um, as a matter of fact, I think we're kind of distracted on this other thing at the moment, the same God thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. That's what I'm, I'm trying to... No, they I'm can't even to refer to, to God. with an ironic conclusion, a peaceful, reconciliatory conclusion that we are being distracted by this... Uh, same God question, both on the public, in the public square sense and in the technical sense, and that what really matters is uh, which of these uh, religions is, leads to salvation. Isn't that what we're really worried about? Which, is, which leads to salvation? Which is true or which is, which is more true? Which is the best guide to God, to God's course, will, and to, to God's salvation, ways? It doesn't even matter whether it's true. Yeah, but most Christians and most Muslims are going to think that truth is important. Right. Because Muhammad and Jesus teach that truth is important. It's important to be correct about what it is that God wants of people. I, actually, I should probably take back that thing I said about truth. I mean, but I was going in a pragmatic kind of direction there. But it's not a question of about abstract truth. It's a question about the true revelation will have salutary effects for on us. Right, and salutary effects beyond beyond salvation, also presumably in our relationships with other people and here and now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Dale, I, have we come to a satisfactory conclusion? I think so. I, I think uh, you don't have to end every argument with an agreement. Well, we, we agree on uh, the importance of this other question, so I think that's kind of victory. The discussion, no doubt, will continue. So That's right, and we look forward to whatever uh, further thoughts you come up with, too. And same with you. Thanks a lot, Bill, for your time. You're very welcome, and thank you for inviting me to participate. Today's thinking music has been the track Truth by Only Mythe. 
Do you enjoy listening to the Trinity's podcast? There are four ways you can show us some love in return. First, share the blog post for this episode on whatever social media you use, such as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Google+. Second, you can leave us a rating and a brief review in the iTunes store and at Stitcher. For step-by-step directions on how to do this, visit trinities.org blog review. Doing this will help other people who are interested in theology to find this podcast. Third, you can donate to the cause by clicking the orange donate buttons to the right of any blog post. Do you think these episodes are worth a quarter apiece? If so, you can donate a dollar each month via PayPal. And of course, any one-time gift is much appreciated. Fourth, you can send us some brief, to-the-point audio feedback for possible incorporation into a future episode. We would love to hear your question or your comment in your voice. The upload link for your audio file is on the blog post for any episode. To sum up, you can share, rate, donate, and talk back. Thanks for listening. We'll see you online at trinities.org. Till next time, don't forget to love God with all your mind.